0: and gentlemen, Bitcoiners, pre-coiners, no-coiners, and shitcoiners, welcome to Swan Lounge, a weekly show in which you get to hang out with the Swan team and some of our friends from the amazing world of Bitcoin. We do this show every Friday, and it's called Swan Lounge because we are lounging. Unlike our more serious show, Swan Signal Live, Swan Lounge is about kicking it with our friends, talking about the week's biggest events in Bitcoin, and just having fun. But before we dive in, we're doing something that I think is pretty darn cool. We're giving away Jan Pritzker's book, Inventing Bitcoin for free in an effort to spread Bitcoin knowledge. You can go to swanbitcoin.com freebook free book to claim your copy. We have it in three different ebook formats and MP3 read by our friend, Guy Swan at Bitcoin Audible. All we ask is that you pay it forward by sharing the book with at least three friends and family, preferably more. And to all the Swanforce members out there, we've set up a way for you to give away the book to help you recruit new Bitcoiners. Look in your brand new referral dashboard and you'll find a link you can use to send people to your Swanforce landing page so they can get the free book offer and you can get the referral credit. And if you're not signed up for Swanforce yet, what are you doing? Go to swanbitcoin.com enlist to get started. It's a great deal. You'll earn 25% of Swan's fees on their purchases for three years and your referral gets $10 of free Bitcoin when they become a Swan member. Also make sure to listen to the end of the podcast because we have a special segment called Swan Force Fridays, where we'll put our guests on the clock and ask them to give us their best Bitcoin pitch. Finally, the daily buys beta is underway. We're rolling daily out to customers. Now, if you want to get on that list, Go to swanbitcoin.com slash daily buys, and I can tell you, it is awesome. I stacked today, I stacked yesterday, I stacked the day before, and the day before that because I am stacking every single day with Swan Bitcoin. Now before I bring in our guests, one last thing, please, please, please hit subscribe and consider leaving us a positive review. Doing so helps us beat that no good dirty iTunes algorithm and get to the top of the podcast charts, which in turn will help us spread the good word about Bitcoin. And now, without any further ado, is it time? It's time, it's time for Swan Lounge. Ladies and gentlemen, Bitcoiners, welcome to another Swan Lounge, an unexpected Swan Lounge, following some unexpectedly bullish news from none other than MicroStrategy, the GigaChat himself, Michael Saylor, and we're here to discuss it. Gentlemen, how, how are you feeling today?
1: I'm feeling bullish. I don't know about
0: you, Brecky. (laughs) It is, uh, it's hard not to feel bullish these days. You wake
2: up new bullish article, wake up new bullish article, Corey. I mean, I feel bullish. I feel swanish. I think this is amazing. Um, you know, Bitcoin, Bitcoin is, uh, benefiting from the collected collective efforts and actions of lots of different people. And, uh, you know, it, it's very possible to contribute a ton to Bitcoin uh, in lots of different ways. <laughs> and one of the best ways is buying a ton of Bitcoin. So hats <laughs> off to the GigaChad. Uh, took some heat over the last uh, last few weeks with some, you know, the types of things that CEOs would say when they have lots of stakeholders. And, uh, you know, back in the good graces today, for sure. This is really uh, big news and I think uh, we wanted to have Andy on because this is something that he forecast as early as June. It's also something that Bitcoin Tina talked about conceptually before there was a micro strategy buying Bitcoin at least a year ago. Uh, and then I think, you know, Andy and Preston have both been on this a lot, you know, on Andy's appearances. Uh, Preston's definitely mentioned it on his own show and on our shows a few times about this uh, this giant sucking sound in the black hole that Bitcoin can be for uh essentially just leveraging cheap debt. So I just wanted to like kick it straight to Andy, the man that understands all this stuff and, uh, and tell us, man, tell us what's going down and what it means.
0: Def uh, real quick though. um, Andy, if you could also um, take it back to basics, you know, like what is a convertible note? Start, start as if nobody understands what's, what's going on. um, And we can go from there.
1: Yeah, sounds good. All right. Thank you. Thank you both. Um, so yeah, agree with uh, you know everything that you said there, Corey. Which was Tina. Tina was early to see this. Preston was early uh, to wait, see it. Wait, oh. wait. I'm sorry. I have
0: to interrupt you. I'm very, very sorry. We have a very special guest, none other than Mister Guy Swan is here. Welcome, welcome, Guy. You uh, you interrupted Andy very rudely. I might add. <laughs> I did that um,
3: on purpose. You. I was waiting. I was waiting yeah. until he started talking so I could just get right in there and shut him up.
1: I don't mind. I don't mind being interrupted by the guy who's read more about Bitcoin than uh, than anyone I know. So that, you know, always welcome.
0: That's Me, that's me. Exactly. <laughs> Is this a lead-in to try to get him to read why buy Bitcoin, which just so <laughs> happens to be sitting right behind you?
1: He offered. Guy. Guy graciously offered. Uh, offered to do the audio, and um, I. Uh, like a, uh, well, I, unf- for, I don't know, for no good reason other than my own, which is I wanted to do it in my own voice. Um, uh, partly cause, uh, partly honestly, cause, uh, for family reasons, my, my mother is in bad shape. I don't know how much longer she's going to be with us. And, uh, I wanted her to, to hear the words coming out of my mouth and she's not in a position to be able to read words on page, uh, anymore. Um, and fortunately, um, I, finally got through it and actually did the audio recording over um, over Thanksgiving weekend. So it's in production. I'm hopeful that it'll be out soon. It may, who knows how long you know the editing will take? I'm not that good at reading. Um, so uh, it could be a while yet. But um, the guy was gracious to offer to do it actually quite a while ago. And um, I ended up doing it myself. But I, I know Guy would have done a great job.
0: You know, I think it's actually a good thing because for once, Guy gets to sit back and listen to someone
3: else reading. Right, he deserves that. Man. You know, after he he t- he explained that, like uh, when we had first talked about it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I can't, I'm not butting in on that." That's the best excuse ever.
2: <laughs> so right. what really
3: happens? What really
2: happens is that Nathaniel Whittemore and Guy have their own private channel, and they can't even they can't even read their own emails. He would like Guy sends Just all read his each emails other's to Nathaniel. Nathaniel <laughs> has to read them so that Guy can listen to. them
0: <laughs> oh, I would, that would be a great service guy. I would, I would pay to have you uh, read and record my emails for me. This is Guy Swan. Uh, you just got an email from Corey about a uh, new Swan lounge today. That'd be awesome. All right. So we're here for a reason. Let's, let's, let's get to it, Andy. It's your time. Yeah. Yeah. No. Back in September.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's true that I, you know, I did make a specific call. Um, you guys were kind enough to bring Preston and me together a couple months ago. Um, And, um, you know, I just looked at the balance sheet after the announcement. This is after we had discussed sort of the the corporate finance reasons that uh, Sailor and MicroStrategy had made the moves they had and how they'd gone about the tender offer and basically, you know, taken out the shareholders that weren't interested in Bitcoin, giving them an opportunity to exit and then sort of doubling down. And at the time, I just noticed that that the balance sheet was pristine, right? Like they didn't have any debt. So my thought was, because I'm a former, you know, debt guy, right? I started my career working on the, on the bond desk, basically, issuing high-yield bonds, issuing junk bonds for companies that wanted to raise money, you know, for various reasons. And I just saw that there was an opportunity to, you know, basically this business could, could bear more debt because it was a cash-flowing business. And so I thought, well, if he's going to go, you know, more or less all in with the existing cash... Why not go a little bit further, right? Why not borrow a little bit? Why not borrow a manageable amount of debt to service, um, or a manageable amount of debt that they could service with their existing cash flow comfortably, and and continue to accumulate Bitcoin. Of course, we saw the you know his latest announcement was they had been purchasing at I think over 19k. So you know we already knew that, uh, that that he's continued to allocate free cash flow to buying Bitcoin. And then we saw the deal come out. The number that I had sort of hypothesized was borrowing a couple hundred million, because on on free cash flow of you know call it fifty million a year, you could easily or they could easily service that amount of debt, you know, with say a five percent interest rate. And in a low or no interest rate environment, um, you can borrow decent amounts of money. There's a reason that uh, there's a reason that corporate balance sheets. Are more indebted, you know, than they than they have been any time in recent history now, because the Fed keeps lowering rates, and so surprise, surprise, they just announced a four hundred million dollar uh, deal. And Brecky, to answer your question about you know what's a convertible note, so a couple things uh, to to note about this: um, a convertible bond uh, is basically it's a piece of debt, but it contains an option to acquire stock in the company. And what that means from a practical perspective is it's a hybrid instrument. It's sort of it's part debt and it's part stock. So it's sort of similar to issuing bonds to borrow money and then selling options, which itself selling options is similar to selling stock in the company. So it's sort of like a hybrid uh, bond uh, and stock deal now. So arguably, what happens when these things get analyzed by investors is they split it into the bond component mm-hmm. and the stock component. So we don't have any of the details yet. It appears that it's being issued under uh, Rule 144A, which uh, it looks like it's going to be a private deal. Um, so they've announced the deal. I don't think it's priced yet. Right. I don't think it's funded yet. But it'll be interesting to see how the debt versus equity split um you know, shakes out because as a, as a, as a, as a factual, well, as a matter of fact, if you're an investor buying a piece of this convertible bond deal, you're going to look at it as, Oh, it's, you know, X percent debt and it's Y percent stock. You know, it's, it's three quarters debt and it's one quarter equity essentially. Um, So we don't have the details yet, but it does look like um, it does look like they're taking advantage of the opportunity afforded, by extremely low interest rates and strong stock markets, especially for their stock, and yeah, I you know I had no idea that they were going to act as quickly. It was you know it was a speculation when I made the call a couple months ago, uh, but it didn't take uh, too long to to come to fruition here.
3: I got a question for you. Hit
1: me. If you don't mind. Um,
3: so uh, with the difference between the equity versus the debt. So in a sense. Uh, the equity, I assume, would be considered far more, uh, far safer than the debt. Is is that is that a safer? So, from the investor
1: point of view, so there's the yeah. investor point of view and the company point of view. From the, so investor, from the, point view, from investor, the investor point of view, investor point of view, debt is safer because really, yeah, yeah, because debt has a senior claim to the rest of the money that comes into the company. Now, it depends on how the debt is structured specifically. So, but but as a matter of fact, let's say God forbid, MicroStrategy you know falls off a ledge and goes into bankruptcy. Okay, then when the claimants come in, the bondholders get paid everything before the stockholders get paid anything.
3: Okay, okay. So in
1: general, debt is a senior claim; it's senior to equity. Now okay. you can have different levels of debt. Um, you can create you know you can issue secured debt, which has a claim against specific collateral. That's the same kind of debt that you know your mortgage is. Basically, it's got a lien on the house. Or you can have an unsecured structure where it's just a general obligation of the company where the secured debt will have a first claim in general, generally speaking. Then the unsecured debt will have a lower claim to that. You can even have subordinated claims below that. And yet all that stuff sits above the equity in general. Above the equity,
3: okay. Yeah. So I was I was asking so it might it, it might kind of negate the question um but uh, I was thinking is does the when we find out what the equity versus debt like ratio is um uh, would that actually give us an indication for the investor's level of confidence in their bitcoin strategy like let's say it's like 90% debt is that them saying I think this is going to pay off and
1: they're going to be able to meet this Yeah that's an interesting question what I would say is, um, what I would say is that in general, a lender is going to be less likely to, uh, you know, give money to a company that is betting the farm on any particular asset, whether that's Bitcoin or anything else. I mean, you know, all four of us on this call understand how valuable Bitcoin is, you know, and how likely it is to go up in value over the long run. But still, I think the average. Corporate finance lender, you know the average uh, high yield bond fund manager does not yet understand Bitcoin. Ha- is less likely to have done their homework. So the you know the bond investor, <laughs> shocking. The bond investor would probably view you know a levered bet on Bitcoin as relatively risky. All else equal. Um, now, as a practical matter, you can understand from an investor investor's perspective how. Okay, that's how they get the equity component thrown in as a sweetener, right? The the lender is saying, "Look, I'll lend you money. I'm this, you know. There's no debt ahead of me because your balance sheet, or there's not significant debt ahead of you ahead of me because the balance sheet is is basically pristine. Um, yeah, I'll lend you money at some interest rate. We don't know the terms yet, but you got to give me a sweetener. You know, I want some equity upside. And again, as a practical matter, with a convertible bond, it's usually that the the option component, or the equity component, is is out of the money. So the implication okay. is that if stock goes up, then that embedded call option is worth a lot. Um, if it doesn't, then the lender says, "Okay, well, fine. I still collect my coupon on the bond, and hopefully, I get that repaid with time." But it's but it's the equity component is in the form of an option, and and it's a it's a sweetener. Okay. Yeah. So we don't know, you know, we don't know the details yet. I think it's interesting. I, I went on on the SEC website, and I didn't see an 8k filing. Um, I didn't sort of triple check to make sure that there wasn't some other, you know, issuer, or some other folder that I should have been checking. So it looks like it is a truly uh, private deal. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see what they disclose. You know, in my experience, again, I've been out of the issuing bonds business for like 15 years now. So it was a while ago, but there was a time when you could do private deals and basically not disclose terms uh, to the market if you chose. Now, as a practical matter, since MicroStrategy is a public company, you know, the, they're gonna have to disclose terms, I think in their in their filings, you know, for the, for the stock in the normal way. So I think we'll find out uh, what the terms are at some point. Um, probably the deal has not, uh, yet priced. Um, they've, you know, it seems they've announced it, but, uh, but not finalized it. And, uh, that's, that seems to be the state of play, um, at the moment. And, and you,
0: yeah, in, the meantime, in the meantime, we have some incredible memes coming out of this. Um, I got, I really want, I just want to read something from the chat real quick. Cause we love the matrix here and it's making me laugh. Um, Corey, do you want to do your your, your uh, Keanu voice real quick? <laughs> no, I
2: don't really. But uh, oh man, So you're telling me that I can lever up BTC as collateral for debt?
3: No, but I was we're supposed
2: to do Morpheus too. No, I'm
3: telling you that when you're ready, you will need you will not need debt. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> there you go. There. Yeah, no, it's a good point. It's a good comment. Because, you know, in some ways, this is like, I mean, this is just a way to lever up on Bitcoin and not have margin calls because you have the company's operations backstopping it. So if you buy MSTR, if this machine really gets humming, and there's no reason to think that this couldn't, you know, carefully manage with some risk parameters or whatever, like you could keep this engine going, as long as the Fed fund rate is still zero, Uh, or low um, for quite some time you know you'd have to think about drawdowns or whatever but you know you're still going to have a lot of believers in the stock uh, even if you know the fiat value of the bitcoin in your balance sheet drops in a trough let's say 2022 2023 or whatever the expected value the expected future value of that bitcoin is still going to be you know pretty damn high in the eyes of plenty of investors so you know you probably see this thing continue it's just a heck of an arbitrage really um, until there is a proper ETF. And something like this is really gonna force the hand of the SEC, because the SEC wants ETFs to be structured like, and regulated like ETFs. And so I think this actually forces their hand and you do see an ETF a lot sooner because this is happening.
1: Yeah, I agree with uh, Corey hundred percent. The other forcing function on that obviously is, is GBTC, right, the Bitcoin trust. And with, with the Bitcoin trust, I can see an easy path to $100 billion asset there you know, in the next year. How does that happen? Well, the market cap today is, I don't know, $12 billion or something, right? If Bitcoin you know, even triples from here, let's say, right, you're, you're approaching 50K, uh, $50 billion there of market cap. Plus, as we know, there's inflows, right? There's new shares being issued as people invest at net asset value so that when it freely trades six months later, they can sell with the premium. And the premium, last I looked, was around 30%. And the last time we came through a cycle, the premium went up, right? I mean, in 2017, the the, the premium to net asset value, right, the dollars you had to pay for a dollar's worth of Bitcoin in the Bitcoin trust went over 2 bucks. right? It was over 100% premium. So, you know, add 10, 20% to the premium plus new issuance, you know, plus Bitcoin going up. The Bitcoin trust could see a hundred billion dollar market cap, you know, sooner than we think. And pretty soon the SEC, you know, people are people are going to be pulling on the shirt sleeves of the SEC saying, guys, you know, you're just you're just gifting money basically to Barry Silbert, (laughs) (laughs) allowing him to suck up all the Bitcoin and uh, and capture this premium. Like it's time for you know, it's time for a freely traded instrument, an ETF that trades at net asset value, uh, you know, rather than people paying this giant premium, uh, you know, to get, I don't want to say to get scalped. I mean, I think it's actually going to do, I think GBTC is going to do great probably the next year. But suffice to say, it would be better if people had access to a, to a to a cheaper product with no premium, which is why we got Swan, right? You can stack it uh, at net asset. I'd
2: say. There, Andy,
4: what what, uh,
2: ha, what do you think the uh the market cap of gbtc has to be for the sec to like approve a couple of these i've heard that kind of like if it gets to 50 or if it gets to 100 then that will really start to annoy some people and they'll green light a couple of etfs
1: yeah no it's uh, that's and that's why i use the 100 billion dollar number that in my yeah. mind is like hard to ignore but yeah. I think you're right. It could be, maybe it's a lower number. I mean, I don't know what the bright line is. I wish I could uh, be yeah. a fly on the wall in the, in the regulators' uh, meetings.
2: Yeah, I mean, that because that, yeah, that was my calculus too, was just around that being kind of the goalpost. But now with <laughs>
1: MicroStrategy doing
2: this, I feel like that's going to accelerate
1: things. Guy, I want to know when Guy Swan, I want to know when Guy is going to start uh, reading and recording SEC filings. <laughs> yesterday <laughs> yesterday, a man who's right,
0: read sorry, more yeah. SEC <laughs> filings than anyone in history <laughs> the
1: guy read more MicroStrategy filings than <laughs>
0: any, anyone you uh, know I love that <laughs> yeah. so um, friend of the show Mr. Rad Vladdy has a comment that uh, is going to lead us into something else I want to share but uh, real quick the Fed is buying corporate debt wouldn't it be funny if they if they, at some point buy some of this debt representing a speculative attack on themselves um, and then uh in response to the news earlier, uh, Nick Carter wrote, uh, "MicroStrategy launching a speculative attack on the U.S. dollar." Um, Guy, I feel like I feel like this one's for you. What, what are your What are your thoughts on this?
3: Uh, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly <laughs> what's happening. Um, uh, well, it's you think about it like it's kind of the natural next step. Um, it, you know, I've been referring to this whole span of stuff as like we're watching the dominoes fall as. Um, this becomes more and more realistic as like a global asset for people in the legacy markets. Um, and uh, and kind of in the legacy mindset, accepting that Bitcoin is here to stay, um, was MicroStrategy. Uh, Michael Saylor, in particular, was kind of like the first guy through the wall. Like he like broke through and was just like, we're not even playing with this. This isn't like... We're doing one percent. Let's be careful and tiptoe into this. Like it was an incredibly bold move uh, that they made, uh, and that's basically put it in the boardroom of it, put it on the table in every boardroom in the country. Now the fact that they're just taking kind of that next step is like, okay, well, if if the dollars are devaluing by fifteen to twenty percent this year, and potentially for every year in the foreseeable future. Um, And interest rates are 1%, 0.17%, like, you know, whatever the ungodly low interest rate is um, that they're offering to try to pump pump as much money into the system. And at the same time, I think Bitcoin is actually going to increase in price. Um, Like, why would you not? Like, you're basically getting paid to take out debt just accounting for the inflation rate. If they're a profitable company, um, which they are, uh, why would you not take out debt to buy Bitcoin, particularly at this at this point in the phase? Like, like in the like as we're getting onto the cusp of a potentially a very big bull market, um, and it's breaking into that sphere. It's like do that first, do that ahead of everybody else, um, and uh, you know you're 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 at the you're you're already at a head start before the race even begins um and it's gonna i think is really gonna kick the race off any anything to add to that
1: no i you know it, it's right i mean sailor started the clock he went public it takes months you know for for basically to, to run the traps to get the legal department to get you know the finance department to Pick and do your due diligence on your professional custodian. You know that's going to hold your Bitcoin. I'm talking about if you're a, if you're a company. And um, so, some. I'd love to know how many are are working on you know run the traps right now. Um, probably quite a few. Uh, you know, it's probably it may be less than we'd all like to think, but it doesn't take that many, right? It doesn't take it doesn't take too many companies that generate significant cash flow. You know, to start the accumulation. Um, I mean, you know the simple math on I think I, I did the numbers. I can't remember what they are, but the simple math on on microstrategy is something like you know they're they're buying like two or three percent of the of the daily newitions right?
0: so whenever um whenever high level math is involved, I usually go to uh, the space cat known as Hodelnot. um and he writes, let me let me share this actually. We'll go full screen on this bad boy. MicroStrategy now holds 40,000 Bitcoin. There is about 2.44 million Bitcoin left to mine. So if we think of fresh supply coming in, there is only room for 61 more companies to hold as much MSTR, to hold as much as MSTR before the last sat is mined. The rest has to be torn out of HODLer hands.
1: Nailed it. There it is. So maybe it's not two to 3%. It's one to 2%. But yeah, you know, 50 companies doing that, um, you know, plus the uh, plus the rapid stacking going on at Swan. I mean, <laughs>
3: that's and that's stretched out over a hundred years. That inflation, mm-hmm. like if fifty, I mean, do we really think fifty companies aren't going to start like start pushing hard?
0: And we're not like, even talking about
3: governments
2: yet. I mean, this is like just 50. yeah, just and in the,
3: in the interesting thing is, you know,
2: MicroStrategy is a tiny company. Mm-hmm. As far as publicly yeah. listed companies and companies that could do so much more, uh, you know, Square is pushing $100 billion valuation. Apple and Amazon are in the trillions. Like, it's ridiculous how much Bitcoin some of these companies could buy if they decide to just drop a little bit in there. Um, so, you know, a lot of people will say, okay, there aren't very many little smaller cap companies that have the same setup as, as Saylor does, but they're really missing the forest for the trees. Yeah, it's true. He has like 70% of the voting rights and they always have 30 to 50 million of free cash flow every year, like clockwork. And they were sitting on half a bill with no debt, blah, blah, blah. And no, it's true. There aren't a lot of companies that look like that, but there are a good number of companies that have way, way, way more money than that by two orders of magnitude, (laughs) so they can actually do way more damage so my suspicion is like you know this thing it, it's not about finding 50 companies to do the same thing as sailor it's finding like three to ten companies that are way way bigger doing something more like 10x sailor each
1: yeah yeah and you call i think you called microsoft right uh cory that was that was your thinking in terms of the well limit.
2: yeah we were we were limiting it to just the the big five the fam guy if you will um and yeah, I think they're the most likely candidate of those five to take a big Bitcoin stake. But you can argue it a bunch of different ways.
3: Yeah, Mike, uh, Microsoft, uh, particularly like I know they're they're very much into actually building you know for Bitcoin what they're doing with uh, they've been on the behind the scenes with Casa and the uh, the kind of IPFS attached to Bitcoin reputation system that they've been looking into. Um, and I've been working on them for at least you know six months to a year, um possibly longer. Um, uh, but uh, the the real big thing is that, like, like I don't know exactly, I haven't really dug into how much cash uh, Microsoft actually has. Um, but Apple has always been historically sitting on just mountains of cash. You know they have always had a lot of savings. And I think anybody, like particularly in that position for how much they're worth, a lot have been taking the strategy already to like, get out of the dollar by buying back their own stock. That's been basically their, their, their big option out to, to protect themselves from that. Um, and with this coming into the forefront, if, if, if people in that situation and with that amount of capital to move um, are now talking about Bitcoin and thinking very seriously about Bitcoin like Apple... Apple, I think, is a, a really prime candidate as well, just because they've always had so much savings.
1: Yeah, I was just looking at, uh, at the Microsoft balance sheet. Uh, I'm showing uh, short-term investments plus uh, cash equivalents of 137 Uh I think that's a billion.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a B.
3: Wow.
1: So like Man, just a little bit, so like you a little, like two, half two half two of Bitcoin's million.
3: market cap. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, they could take exactly a third of the third of the Bitcoin market cap. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's just a matter. Of
0: time. It, this is a, this is, I'm speechless. I'm wordless here, folks. It's it's pretty crazy. Let's uh let's throw up one of these uh one of these comments that was that came up earlier from our friend Aks74s. Uh, actually guy while you're
3: here would you mind reading it in that lovely voice of yours 400 bc the borrower is slave to lender 2020 a.d the poor and middle class is slave to the borrowers 2030 a.d the no-coiner is slave to the bitcoiner thought <laughs> in, oh, <laughs> so in
5: a world
3: oh man in a world
0: I did a um, – before, before okay. we discuss it, I'll, I'll put it back up. But I did a, um, a recording for oh, – well, we'll talk about it later. Anyway, I did a recording like that in like a really old, crazy voice, and it's just so much fun. To kind of, like.
1: <laughs> Speaking of in a world where etc. et cetera, when, when's Bitcoin Billionaires uh, going to hit uh, theaters? I guess there are no theaters to hit anymore.
2: I, I think they, they're still writing it. The last I saw from uh, Mesurier on Twitter was they were they thought they had a writer for it for the adaptation. So I think oh, it's still pre- pretty
3: early, heavy pre-production. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Okay. Can you throw that back up though, Brecky? I like <laughs> I like that. And Andy, I know you said you might have to jet. I just want to be conscious. It is five o'clock Pacific.
1: I'm good for a good for a bit. I could probably go five more minutes. Yeah.
2: Okay, cool. Cause we're all going to try to do our, our best, like uh breed, love, Brady, Valis, quit him impressions here talking about like the future and getting philosophical. That flex our flex our muscles here, but no, I, I really like this. Uh, I don't know who this anon is that posted it, but um, it is actually accurate. Um, you know, when you borrowed money back in the day, it's true. They had you over a barrel and you could take a pound of flesh and, you know, you'd go to debtor's prison and all that stuff. And, you know, with the, with the rollout of the fiat experiment, you know, the way that money is created is by creating credit. And so, you know, this sort of, you know, the way the big financiers role is basically what's, what's the classic saying that, uh, you know, if, if I owe you like, you know, 50 grand, like, you know, I'm in trouble. If I owe you a hundred million dollars, you know, you're in trouble basically <laughs> got you over a barrel. And, you know, we've seen lots of people, Finance all kinds of projects and companies, and Manhattan real estate and various casinos with a similar philosophy. Um, you know, so it, it will be very, very interesting. Uh, you know, some of the people that are thinking about how much how much of the credit market can survive after Bitcoinization. Had this conversation offline with uh, Bree Love last week, and he thinks it's you know maybe five to ten percent. The size will still exist after Bitcoinization that's just a a drastic change to the way that things work. But most of these credits should not exist when you have sound money.
1: Amen. Amen. Five to 10%. That's, yeah, that would be a realignment. I agree. It's much lower. I have a suspicion it'll be higher, higher than that, but um, yeah, it's um, if Bitcoin reaches, if and when Bitcoin reaches its potential for sure, it's going to crimp credit. And I mean the whole, Whole sectors of you know the banking system are going to be realigned, shrunk. It's interesting to watch the bank stocks. You know, the bank stocks have. I mean, in Europe, they're basically in terminal decline. Uh, they've been quite weak in the U.S. You know, for years now. It makes me wonder. You know, how much of that is outright Fed policy versus how much of that is the writing on the wall? People realizing that this sector, which was overgrown to begin with, you know, is sort of in its its long descent. Um, well. History we won't know until history is written, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a different, uh, different looking world.
0: I mean, I I try to stay hopeful. I uh, I like to think, and what, what I'm hoping to you know contribute to in the world is is a world where you know people are earning Bitcoin and people are paying their employees in Bitcoin, and you know eventually you know everyone can benefit whether you were early or whether you were late. Um, I don't think there will ever be a late to Bitcoin. It's all, it's just kind of a mental trap. Um, real quick, by the way, also somebody in the chat said they were worried about existing financial institutions and the permanent lockup of the Bitcoin. Um, if I understand you correctly, I think the advice here is to get your keys off exchanges and learn how to self custody. Um, and that goes out to everybody. Oh, do we have a,
2: another guest joining us? We do. Yeah. We do have a special guest. We will not be seeing this person's face. I am so excited. I am so excited. This is a request from the chat. So thank you to uh, whoever just requested that. uh, There you go. So Benny Satz, Taproot, Sean, thanks for the idea. We pinged him, the man, the myth, the legend. The first person I ever heard talking about what we're now seeing happen. Uh, Bitcoin Tina, welcome to Swan Lounge. Welcome. Tina, Tina. Yeah. still Tina. figuring out his audio. <laughs> Click right. settings icon. <laughs> Choose the right microphone. That's so B, B for Bitcoin. <laughs> well, deep. while we sort out Tina's uh, audio. Yeah, so it sounds like Tina's been listening for a little bit, but um, you know, we're we're kind of excited to just uh, you know get the full thesis.
4: There he is. I'm I'm insanely jealous of. Michael Saylor. It's like it's, <laughs> just, it's just like that's what I tweeted earlier. I, I'm it, it's painful how jealous I am of Michael Saylor. I think that he is a Bitcoiner. He is a cyber hornet and a Bitcoiner through and through. And I, I've heard some comments and critiques, but I actually believe that Michael gets all the nuance. And uh, we'll see if I'm proven wrong. But I I have tremendous confidence. And I think that he may actually personally cause Bitcoin to actually start the bull market by sucking up, vacuuming up any extra sats sitting out there that some dumb seller is selling into the marketplace. He may personally lock it away and cause Bitcoin to explode through 20,000. And I am incredibly impressed with uh, Mr. Saylor.
3: Imagine, imagine what kind of a signal it sends when, you know, it's just brushed the all time high and everybody's like, oh, it's going to crash and it's going to correct. And then Michael Saylor says, yeah, we bought twenty five hundred more at nineteen thousand. Like it's just like just like I don't care. Like I don't it could do whatever the hell it's going to do in the next three months is so meaningless. Like in the strategy that we have in place. And I think uh, the, you're talking about the debt and how the the debt markets will be like five to 10, the credit market in particular will be five to 10%. I actually think that's, I like, I'm, I'm inclined to think that that's roughly like accurate that there is a degree of like 80 to 90 percent that is all just fluff because you think about um the feedback loops in this thing that one person will get a loan fund a project that will be the backing for the next loan and just kind of how the fractional reserve system works i mean just just in a general sense of the nine to one you you literally create nine dollars for every uh everyone in reserve um, again, again, it's you know after a debt on top of debt on top of debt all through the banking system. But roughly, that's kind of the metric that we're looking at. But at the exact same time, the the power of Bitcoin as it starts to shift away from that credit um, system is so many things are going to change. There are companies that are surviving only because they can get cheaper debt to to pay off to to basically refinance their previous debt. There's a whole series of unicorns of billion dollar companies that don't even make a profit. And when we start shifting over into this thing, uh, like it'll steamroll. And even if a fraction of what we think Bitcoin is going to do, like Bitcoin does, like it's going to create such a massive shift away from companies that are surviving on debt and buybacks to companies that are actually profitable. And it is going to move us from a world where today the, the creditors the, or well those that have access to the cheap debt are the capital allocators of the world. They're the ones that decide where the capital goes, where the labor goes, and what goals we actually accomplish. And it's going to fall from them, and it's going to be handed over to Bitcoiners. Like Michael Saylor, MicroStrategy, these are going to be the capital allocators of the future.
0: They are. AKS747 just made me laugh. I had to hold it in while you were talking. And it's a great point, actually. Don't you hate when someone finally understands what Bitcoin is and they won't shut up about it? (laughs) That's that's what Sailor's doing. That's all. He's like doing what we do, but on a mega, mega, mega scale, you know? (laughs) And he's putting money where his mouth is.
1: Hey, guys, uh, a secret source of mine just got his hands on uh, the detailed micro strategy uh, treasury management policy. Um, I don't know if you guys can see this,
0: <laughs>
1: but uh, yeah, this is basically this is basically how it goes. Bitcoin under 100k immediately auto dump into BTC. Bitcoin under 50k borrow even more to <laughs>
3: jump into BTC.
1: I can't reveal my source. Sorry. Oh well. we'll-
3: as, as long as uh, as long as on the other end of this we, we get to find out who your your secret your secret info source is <laughs> you can drop them you can drop them in a telegram i might i might need that source later for other important <laughs> endeavors
1: well i want to hear more out of tina i was i was going to go do my normal work in my day job but i can't i can't uh, i can't you leave me,
0: it's OK, Andy. You can go. You can leave. You can get out of here. We'll just sit here talking Bitcoin, being bold. I hear what he
1: has to say live, uh, live and
4: direct. And I was watching Bitcoin trade earlier today, and it was kind of weak. And I was thinking to myself, you know, this is really stupid. Why is Bitcoin weak? And I, and I think Michael actually, I'm not quite sure exactly the time this was announced, but I think he actually single-handedly caused there to be a bid in the market um i i look I was listening to uh to him and breedlove and and i i have to say it, it's not specifically a a an actual bitcoin discussion <clears throat> but i I really love the uh the youtubes that uh Robert breedlove has done with Michael. I find that i love I love the clarity of thinking. I love his incisiveness that Michael has. Look, I'm not trying to kiss Michael's ass here. So I just want you to understand. I know there are people who are kissing Michael's ass. But the fact of the matter is, I really enjoy listening to the the discussion that he's had on the three episodes. And I want to recommend it to people. It's not purely a Bitcoin discussion, but it's an interesting perspective on... the history of, of, of humans and, and his take on it and i really i really enjoy it a lot i thought it was fantastic he was talking about anti-fragility and he was talking about um the game of thrones author who wrote wild cards i forget the exact name jj martin yeah George. I don't know his exact name um, but talking about the the, the best um I forget the right right term for this. The, the, the best thing to have is, is to be able to survive everything. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm making a mess of this because he did so much of a better job. But, you know, if you could outlive everybody and not be destroyed, you know, you could have a machine gun and kill everybody else in the area and, and you would survive. And that's the nature of anti-fragility. His observations are fantastic. And I was really enjoying... Just getting into the thought process that Michael is going through in terms of how he looks at Bitcoin, how he sees the world. And it's really interesting. I mean, I really enjoyed listening to the thing. I think Robert did a great job. And uh, I'm very appreciative that, uh, you know, the, the work and the effort that went into that uh, with, with both of them, with, uh, with, with Robert and with Michael, and would strongly recommend People, you know, if you have the time and the inclination, a lot of people don't, but I happen to really like that sort of thing. And I think it's a really interesting in, insight into his mind. He's, he's got some very clear and incisive thinking, and I really enjoyed it a lot. For the folks at home, uh, normally if you
0: hear a disembodied voice, I would get yourself checked out. But here, this is a disembodied voice you should trust. This is Bitcoin Tina for anyone who's just uh, tuning in.
1: <laughs> I'm just really excited to, ha- to have you here. Bitcoin Tina has been very influential uh, in my thinking, uh, specifically thinking about the upside cases. Uh, you know, specifically thinking about how this bull market could look different than uh, than prior ones. Um, yeah, Bitcoin Tina is great fuel for irresponsible bullishness
3: no we're done oh, no. with that. rational bullishness my friend no i remember I, he had done
2: a podcast it was probably one of the ck ones or something else he was on uh like maybe early september and i had that long drive going up to seattle and uh i just decided to see if if uh, tina was available to explain it to me like i was five and he was nice enough to hop on the phone and like lay it all out for me exactly how he was thinking about it and uh and then to see it play out in real time uh it's just two and a half short months later. It's just really mind-blowing.
4: It's a pleasure. It's always, it's always a pleasure to speak with you, Corey.
2: <laughs> well, thanks for uh, lending your experience to, uh, to the rest of us. We, uh, we are very boomer-friendly here around Swan. I'm not making any assumptions about your age, but I think you've, uh, you've claimed to be a boomer before.
4: Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on the border between ex uh, and boomers.
2: Oh, sure. You're a Sprite. You're a youngster. Good for you. Well,
4: yeah, I'm younger than younger than most boomers, but uh, I'm at the tail end of it. You know, the the part that has to clean up after the elephants. (laughs) (laughs) Well put.
0: (laughs) If um, if you want to know what Tina looks like, he's the guy in that meme who uh, he's only 27, but he's been trading Bitcoin. That's
4: Bitcoin Tina. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably about right. The last three years have definitely been been hard. Uh, I'm insanely bullish, though. I have not. I, I, I get more and more bullish every day. It's really about trying to understand what this thing is. And it's clear, you know, it's nice to hear someone like Michael because he really does get it. He really understands. And uh, I, I think definitely people think I'm completely out of my mind. Um, I told I spoke with a friend uh, yesterday yesterday. Hold on. And I was telling him, he's about my age, and I was telling him, uh, you should put 5 to 10% of your liquid net worth into Bitcoin. He said, oh my God, that's too much money. I said, You'll, You really ought to seriously think about that. Oh, I've been making so much money in the stock market in the last two years. I said, all right, I understand, but um, I would seriously consider that and uh, maybe get your kids a Bitcoin a piece too. Um, it, it's hard for people to understand because they haven't done the work. And what's fascinating is you're starting to see, you know, in investing you'll often have special situations. I'm sure Andy can uh, bear me out on this. So very often uh, smart you know, there's different tiers of investing uh, and investors. Hedge funds are really not institutional. Um, They're in a lot of ways smaller than institutional. Institutional investors are usually these super large hedge funds and sovereign funds that are usually hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars. Hedge funds are usually smaller than that, but they're usually some of the smartest money on the street. You know, a lot of this has changed in the last 40 years. Uh, hedge funds were at one time the most aggressive players in, on Wall Street. But still, you know, p- people you see coming into it, the likes of Stanley Druckenmiller, Paul Tudor Jones. I can't remember uh, other names, but there have other, been other names recently who have also, also come into it. this. And they kind of see and treat Bitcoin like a special situation. I had my own take on this, and I think that I would not be surprised to see someone like Druckenmiller, and I have no idea what percentage he's put into Bitcoin uh, versus other, other investments, that up 10x, if he put 1% in, my guess would be that somebody like that would probably be more inclined to add rather than sell. And I think, I think we're going to see an unfolding this decade as larger and larger institutions get into Bitcoin. And I think that I'll be very honest with you. I think this whole notion of the treasury asset is is a phenomenon that will be in a much later stage in Bitcoin. I don't expect to see companies like uh, typical large companies getting in as a treasury asset. I kind of think that Michael is sort of a different class because he controls the stock through class B stock and is probably more typical of an individual who has a lot of money, who's a wealthy investor, more of the hedge fund kind of a thinker and is pretty much a pretty aggressive investor. But I think he's he's very smart. I think I would not be surprised three years from now to see him as being roundly hailed as being brilliant, brilliant investor who managed to increase the assets in his company by like 50X. And I think people will be like, falling all over themselves. Uh, He'll be on the cover of magazines. Of course, we're going to want to probably think to ourselves that people are going to come and start selling. But I think what's more likely to happen is that large investors are going to find that they have a clear path and not a threat of concern for their employment to start adding to positions. And I think you're just going to see, you know, in the top of my pinned comments, I have these dominoes falling and i think you just see larger and larger dominoes falling as bigger and bigger classes of investors come into bitcoin in this decade and i think that's the thing that a lot of people don't fully understand that it's going to be a series starting with smaller smart investors like hedge funds and and wealthy individuals family offices And you're going to watch it gradually unfold, ultimately culminating in the largest of pension funds, the largest of state run pension funds, the largest sovereign funds coming into Bitcoin, adding positions. And I think this is going to go on an entire decade. And I think people will be shocked at the size of Bitcoin by 2030, 2032 as this. This cognitive dissidence just turns inside out where people thought of Bitcoin as garbage, as tulips, as, as something to be shunned and feared to becoming the must own asset of the decade. And it's just going to be this constant dominoes falling as people just start to pile into Bitcoin and feel that they have to own it. And I think that's what we're about to see in this decade. And I I think it's so hard for people to understand how insanely early this all is.
2: Drop the mic and let's let Max pick it up. How are you doing, Max? Good to see you. Oh yeah, I'm feeling good.
5: Great to see everybody. I'm feeling jubilant. I'm feeling exuberant.
1: Where can I get one of those shirts? (laughs)
5: Oh, yeah, I got this uh, from uh, somebody online. It goes by the name of Merch, I think. Merch, Merch. I saw it, uh, just snapped it up quickly. Uh, You know, this is the age of Michael Saylor. Uh, In a lot of ways, he's, um, you know, this is a guy who we're going to hear a lot about every six months, every year. He's, he's, He's chasing Jeff Bezos. If If I were a billionaire and I saw Jeff Bezos worth two hundred billion, and I'm thinking, how can I get two hundred billion, I would sell some uh, preferreds and raise four hundred million dollars and buy Bitcoin too. right? I mean, that's the way to chase Jeff Bezos. That's the way to make a hundred to two hundred billion dollars for yourself. I mean, who's going to be the first of three hundred billion dollars personal net worth? It's going to be Bezos or Michael Saylor. You know, Michael Saylor could be the first of three hundred billion. A personal net worth if he keeps buying bitcoin uh so i mean this never in history as many have said has there been an opportunity for people to buy bitcoin under ten dollars before the institutions before the billionaires you know this is the asymmetric bet we've been talking about for so long and you know now we're we're heading into the uh the dance of the billionaires Right. Because it's, it's all about ego. I mean, when you have a billion dollars or five billion dollars or 20 billion dollars, what motivates you to make another 20 billion dollars? It's it's, um, you know, the guy who, who runs uh, uh, who's, who's got a few more billion than you have, Larry Ellison. You know, Larry Ellison is a great billionaire. He's totally motivated by vanity and greed that somebody else has got more billions than he does. Right. That's that's the game that they play right now. Bitcoin is going to fuel this guy, Michael Saylor, who has been in the tech business for 20 years. You know, he was he's the longest serving tech CEO in America, but he doesn't have one hundred billion dollars, does he? You know, he's he's feeling left out of the, of the of the top table. And he looked at Bitcoin and he said, you know what? This is my ticket to the top table. This is my ticket to 100, 200, 300 billion three hundred billion dollar net worth and uh you know we're along for the ride you know i'm i'm happy to be his co uh, you know the wingman i'm happy to be on the in the air in the airport in the zip code on the same planet you know he's taking us there
0: It's oh, certainly heating well. up, you know, like it, it's uh... I'm
5: singing in the rain, I'm singing yeah. in the rain, what a beautiful moment. <laughs> it's literally raining money. I mean, you just got to put your bucket out there and just let the millions fall in. It's as simple as that. Anybody who's not a millionaire in the next 18 months, it was been either in a coma, dead or um, hates themselves. They're They're severely masochistic.
0: So Max, someone who's uh, who's tuning into the show before they don't they have never heard of Max Kaiser or Bitcoin Tina or even Swan Bitcoin before or any of us. You know what do you say to them? What do they do now? Bitcoin's so expensive. You know uh, what do what, what do what do they do? <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, you know you have to ask yourself. Look in the mirror and say, "Hey, do you want to be stinking rich?" That's the question. You know it seems like an obvious question, but a lot of people. Don't don't necessarily answer that question in the affirmative, right? First, you have to ask yourself: Are are you ready to be stinking rich? That's the first question. Uh, if you are, then spend ten minutes doing due diligence and understanding that supply and demand rules in a world of infinite money. That thing that is the ultimate scarce, desirable commodity, like a Faberge egg, is going to be worth a shitload of money. You know, Bitcoin is basically a a Faberge egg. There's only actually one Bitcoin. I mean, people say there's 21 uh, million Bitcoins or there's 2.1 quadrillion Satoshis. That's not true. There's only one Bitcoin. And that one Bitcoin radiates the power of attraction to the point where it just sucks all the detritus and bullshit and economic schools and Keynesianism and posers and nut jobs and turns it all into Bitcoin, and the price just keeps exploding higher. Another thing is that you can't convince somebody who's not ready for Bitcoin to, to accept Bitcoin. They have to bottom out on fiat money, right? We're talking about people who are addicted to fiat money, and they need to bottom out. They need to wake up and realize that their lives have been a waste, that everything they've been taught has been a joke. And that they need to, to hit bottom. They need to hit fiat bottom and then they can accept the word of Satoshi. Then they're ready to accept Bitcoin. So there's nothing anyone can do to get somebody to hit their bottom. They've got to do it on their own. You've got to ex- under, ask yourself, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired of being mired in fiat nonsense? If the answer is yes, then there is a solution. It's called getting stinking rich with the scarcest thing on the planet that we've got the dance of billionaires now engaged in hoarding as much as they possibly can, which means price appreciation that we have not not even witnessed yet. I mean, this is ready for, I tell you something, and I just spoke to my friends at the Daily Express about this, and it'll probably be in the paper in another day or two, but I'll tell you here now on Swan Lounge because this is the best Bitcoin media, content, anywhere. Uh, I'm gonna break this story. To understand what's happening with Michael Saylor and Bitcoin right now, you have to go back to 1992 and understand how George Soros and Stan Drunkenmiller crashed the British pound and forced them out of the exchange rate mechanism. They did that by attacking the pound unmercifully they made a billion dollars in a week or something like that. It was the biggest gain any hedge fund had ever made at that time. And that's Michael Saylor's plan. He is actually crushing the U.S. dollar. This is going to put the the total kibosh on the U.S. dollar and the Federal Reserve Bank. Because the Federal Reserve Bank has gotten away with now for 15 years long or longer than that, this idea that they can pursue a negative interest rate policy of NERP or a zero percent interest rate policy of ZERP. They can claim there's no inflation because they don't include it in any of their calculations, and they don't include labor costs, which they totally have contempt for all ordinary human beings. Totally in the service of the cantillionaires. That's their primary job, and they give them away hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars, and as a result, the money that they print has become worthless. This stuff has become utterly worthless, but it's masked by the banking collusion where they hold assets on their books like debts and they claim they're worth 100 cents on the dollar and that's what the fed buys 100 cents on the dollar but we know the resale value is probably zero michael saylor is saying i'm calling your bluff i'm calling you out i'm going to borrow at your zero percent rate or close to it and i'm going to roll it into bitcoin i'm not going to buy back my own stock i'm going to buy bitcoin and you know what I'm going to trigger a response globally and people are going to shit U.S. dollars like the fucking diarrhea that it really is. And it's going to be flushed down the toilet quicker. He's he's, he's going to destroy the Federal Reserve Bank because he's essentially calling out the biggest arbitrage in the history of finance in 5,000 years. You can borrow at zero and buy Bitcoin. That will prove to be the single greatest trade ever in the history of humanity. Sailors on top of it. He's already doubled or more than doubled his money on his Bitcoin. He did his due diligence. He understands what's going on. He didn't buy back his own stock like all these other clowns uh, around the world. Like an I, you know, all the uh, Apple computer. Right? Apple Computer's buying back its own stock. What a waste. What an absolute waste. They're going to end up like IBM. IBM bought $130 billion of their own stock. The company's now worth $110 billion. It's diminishing returns. It's a, it, The Ponzi scheme is up. The game is up. As Bernie Madoff said when he got arrested for his Ponzi scheme, he has no innocent explanation. This is the, what the Janet Yellen and... Uh, Jay Powell, they're going to have to say, we have no innocent explanation for this massive Ponzi scheme that uh, Taylor has, is basically putting a, a, a stick of dynamite in there. And he lit the fuse. And now the dollar is so toast, man. The dollar is so gone. We're, Weimar Germany is going to look like a, a picnic compared to the hyperinflationary collapse of the U.S. dollar against Bitcoin and uh, just about everything else out there. So this guy, you know, he figured it out. He's he's an astrophysicist. He's a genius. He's got a lot of money. He could like he's got great credit. He's he's he wants a place at that top table, the hundred to two hundred to three hundred billionaire, and, to, and Bitcoin's the how how he's going to get there, right? And we can still buy some at under twenty thousand. I mean, that's twenty thousand is the new two dollars. If you're going to look at where Bitcoin's going to be in five years, it's like buying Bitcoin at two bucks.
3: Bang bang! Whew. You know what? Something that gets me uh, has gotten me really riled up recently, and really thinking that—I mean, there's about a hundred different reasons why I think we're really on the cusp of a hell of a bull market, and that uh, you know, like you said, the snowballs are starting to roll, and there's going to be a there's going to be an avalanche. Um, but one thing that gets me recently, and I'm curious if everybody else seems to feel the same way about it is that the critics and the detractors sound desperate. Like there's like a whole lot more, they really have to say something bad about Bitcoin and they're not able to get through the day without doing so. Like a lot of them are going like kind of Peter Schiff level like i wasn't going to say anything but i'm going to say my piece about bitcoin and i think it's a lot the whole Druckenmiller miller and paul tudor jones and michael saylor and like kind of the flood of uh institutional and you know uh, legacy authority like perceived authority that has come out and said okay yeah i was wrong about bitcoin or we need to very seriously look at this thing so the uh the um uh, the the Peter Schiffs of the world are coming out and having to double down to be like, no, it's stupid and it's a scam. Uh, but it kind of feels like they're they're grasping for it. that they're really grasping for straws at this point to just say the same crap they've been saying for the last eight years and they've been wrong about. But if I say it really loud and one more time, maybe, maybe everybody, maybe it will be true this time.
0: What's that uh, that quote about? Like a dying tiger is when they're most dangerous. No, that doesn't apply at all. Peter Schiff's not dangerous. Or right, ignore me; he's just a fan. <laughs>
2: but I think broadly you could say that about about gold and gold bugs. I mean, this is kind of the last gasp, right? They've had a nice five thousand year run, but it comes to an end.
0: I mean, I'm with you. The only thing is, like, there's you know, there's no real centralizing force in gold. You know, the gold is itself is centralized, but I, you know, if, if I'm worried, which I'm not, I'd be more worried about the proponents of the fiat system. You know, they're not going to go down without a fight. And I think it might be too late. You know, I don't think there's anything they can really do, but they are going to go down kicking and screaming, you know, and
2: well, the, the argument, the argument that's safe, made a lot more probably through like early 2019, I think he's stopped talking about it for the most part, was that if Bitcoin starts to really succeed, what you could see is governments essentially trying to go back to a gold standard and enforcing it because they can actually control it and hold it in their vaults or whatever. But game theoretically, the way it plays out, you know, with the existence of Bitcoin, you can't remove Bitcoin from the equation. It's the whole damn point. Mm -hmm. And so game theoretically... A lot of governments wouldn't play ball, and you find yourself in a prisoner's dilemma where, you know, a, the Nash equilibrium is that Bitcoin wins anyway, even if they try to do that. But it could delay things for a while.
4: Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't think it delays anything. go ahead, Tina. I don't think it delays anything. I, I think what you're more likely to see. It's listening to Lynn Alden talk to well, was she talking to? Uh, Stefan? I can't remember who she was talking to. Maybe. She was Barra, yeah, recently. She, Lynn, Lynn was talking about this uh, idea of a, a multi-currency world as opposed to the dollar being the reserve. And I think what's more likely to happen is there'll be somebody smart, because there are a lot of smart people. There'll be somebody smart in the United States who manages to figure out that the United States has a lot of electricity capability to mine. There are a lot of opportunities to mine. They're going to figure out there are a lot of Americans who have Bitcoin and going to realize that, It puts the United States in at an enormous advantage globally to be supportive of Bitcoin. I don't think that the response is going to be this massively negative response that everybody talks about. I think people are going to understand that there is an inherent advantage that the U.S. has. And I I just think that people look for opportunities. There, There are a lot of smart people in this country. There are a lot of people who want to be successful. There are a lot of people who who get this. And I think that when push comes to shove, they're not going to look. People in the government actually understand (laughs) that there's a real problem with the policies that has has evolved over the last 50 years. They're actually not that stupid. They kind of get it. Uh, They're just doing the only thing that they know. And Bitcoin's not ready for prime time yet. It's a 300 some odd billion dollar asset, which is small. Gold failed as a money and will never be a money again. And regardless, it's not going to be. Uh, but Bitcoin actually can be something. And I think that people are going to figure this out and they're going to be smart people. Said, so what are we doing? We have all these Americans who own all this Bitcoin. We have an enormous capacity to produce electricity, to mine Bitcoin. We have a real advantage here. I just think people are going to figure it out. I think are enough smart people who will figure this out. Maybe that's maybe I'm being overly optimistic, but I just think that's how it plays out.
0: You might be right. I mean, we have Cynthia Loomis now, you know, like there are smart people in government and, you know, the tides are turning slightly. So
1: Tina, I think Tina's spot on. This is what they call the innovation imperative. This was the lesson of the Internet, you know, in the 80s and 90s. There was a point at which in order to I think if someone correct me if I get this wrong, but. There was discussion, or there was a rule about if you want to host a website, you have to register as a broadcaster, right? You have to. I bet you. Uh, I bet you uh, Max knows about this. You have to register. Had to register with the FCC, and there was a risk that that was going to get you know basically implemented and enforced. It reminds me of today, you know, this concept of oh, you have to disclose your you know your your custodied your self custodied wallet. Same concept, right? I think when people when the smarter members of our leadership, I know maybe there aren't that many of them, remember that if we had gone with this concept of oh a website host is you know basically a broadcaster and has to register with the FCC, all the biggest internet companies would now be European, right? Um, but they're not because we got it right. Uh, the U.S. in terms of policy and the internet got it right in that respect. And the lesson there is if you want to have the dominant uh, players in the dominant industry globally you better not screw up the rulemaking and the regulation and if you're true draconian it'll just go offshore and yeah you know then then we here in america will will have fun staying poor while the rest of the while the rest of the world you know harnesses this giant opportunity so i agree i'm optimistic i think uh, i think our leaders are actually going to probably get this right
5: why why would you make that assumption because you've got this you know we called this a while ago global hash war right so where bitcoin becomes a strategic reserve and countries like uh, iran venezuela kakistan now on the periphery are actively mining and hoarding bitcoin and um you've got Nigeria, which is a huge country with thirty percent of the population is totally Bitcoin, hyper Bitcoinization. They've already moved into a Bitcoin space. And the US is the world reserve currency, the US dollar, and they're they've got the most to lose by accepting what this Bitcoinization is all about. And I don't I don't see them actively being proactive and and, and entering the hash war like they did when they got involved in the space race, you know, when Sputnik was launched and the U.S. said we're going to land a man on the moon, and uh, they entered the space race. Well, now we have the hash race, and the U.S. is asleep with the switch. They've been an empire for 100 years. They're fat. Uh, they're lazy, and they're not responding. They're not proactive. They, they, Washington, D.C. is completely dysfunctional. They, they do have the resources. They could underwrite it. They, they, not, not to say that they couldn't. But, I mean, just the dysfunction happening in the political system right now is uh, I'm 60, going to be 61 years old in a couple of months. I've never seen this amount of dysfunction politically in America, you know, and I live through Watergate. You know, I've never seen this amount of chaos and this amount of uh, just uh, inability and the money printing that's going on. I mean, what, 20 percent of all the M1 was created ever in history in the last few months? Right. It's just going ballistic. It's going parabolic and everything is money printing. And, you know, I thought it was very interesting last week. uh, Some news came out that Coinbase had basically shut down their margin accounts. You know, not a lot of people were talking about that. But what I understand is that they had a problem that people were going on margin and then taking their private keys away and leaving them vulnerable and holding the bag. And that's that's what Michael Saylor understands, is that once you have he who has the Bitcoin makes the rules and you can't confiscate it, it's unconfiscatable. The regulators couldn't regulate their way out of a paper bag They're the, the whole system is completely dysfunctional. And it's a winner take all at the moment globally. And there'll be selective Americans like Michael Saylor and others who will be part of this phenomenon. But the country as a whole is going to be left out. And I think a lot of people need to understand that they've been abandoned, uh, and they're no. The cavalry's not coming. Nobody's coming for them. Um, taxes are going to go up. There's going to be lots of money printing, and it's going to get bad. So Bitcoin's the only vector out of this mess. Uh, so I, I just don't. I mean, I respect what you're saying that the U.S. has the potential and they have the resources. But I think we're we're entering into a period where individuals have to take it upon themselves to get that unconfiscatable, uncorruptible, uncensorable Bitcoin and get on the Michael Saylor rocket ship to safety. That, that's my thought.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not bullish on uh, government, by the way, just so you know, Max, I'm not bullish on government in general, <laughs> including ours. Um, I think that the, you know, the, the stasis and the basically, you know, the polarization may be a positive factor. Um, only because it's harder to regulate and it's harder to, you know, stamp down on anything. Basically, you can't get both sides to agree. So I think we, I think Bitcoin has this, uh, has this chance. I mean, I personally think it's already won. But if you know, for any of those who are in doubt of that, yeah, I think we've got this nice uh, period of gridlock ongoing in government, you know, through the next administration, which will just allow it to, you know, to get bigger and stronger.
4: Maybe I wasn't clear in exactly what I meant because it's, you, you took it in sort of a different direction. I have actually zero faith in government. So let's start from there. I think that what's going to happen is that there are going to be many Bitcoiners who become very wealthy. And I think there are many people who are already very wealthy coming into Bitcoin. And I think what's going to happen is that they're going to push the government in that direction. And I think that I think ultimately Bitcoiners have to become political. I think they have to help form political action committees and guide and direct the government in the way that it needs to go. I don't expect the government to understand it because I think mostly uh, they don't. So I'm not, I have zero expectation for that and I don't expect them to take any kind of lead whatsoever. I expect Americans who are smart and I think you know, I, I think we're a great country in spite of our government, not because of our government. So I think there are many Americans who will take the bull by the horns and g- help give guidance to government officials and explain to them kind of the facts of life and how things have to work. And I think that some of them will be very arrogant—not not the not the uh, people explain to the government. there would be some gov- arrogant government officials, but. I think that on mass, that we will persuade them to think differently because I think there are many very smart people in the United States of America, smart, wealthy people, and I think you have people who are already beginning to understand. And uh, we're at an early stage of this. And I think right,
5: right. I I get that. You know, that's a that's a fair point. And but the initial point or the initial idea was that the U.S. would mobilize. (laughs) You know, no, like I, with, I a, didn't, with I didn't, an industrial I didn't, policy and they no, were I didn't mean th- energy I, I, I did resources not and they, they were getting into mining that. and hoarding Bitcoin. No, and no, no, no. I, no, I think no. that I, they won't I, do they it, and I think that the that. result will be a very they're weak US do dollar. The, we, the very do weak US dollar is something we all need to prepare for. It's being it's being propped up artificially for a long time. There's a I trap agree. door. Once it opens, that dollar is is really in bad shape, and and the U.S. government is not going to be in any position to help no, anybody. You're with not this. Do how
4: do you disagree with Max? What's wrong? What I mean? with you disagree with Max. say? they're not going to do anything smart. Don't I, I don't I don't think the U.S. government will do anything smart. I think there are people in America who will cause the U.S. government to do something smart. People like Max. People like us. I think there will be people who help to persuade them to think differently about this and take what.
5: Right. Yeah. Well, today is uh, I think today is the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Right. Um, so yeah, had 79 years ago and that that brought oh, yeah. America into World War Two and everyone was behind that effort uh, here in the year 20. Uh, what year are we in? 2020 heading to 2021. Um. The vast majority of Americans are in the street pissing on the American flag and protesting against America. And they got all their money stolen by the baby boomers and everyone go fuck themselves. There's not going to be any war bonds. There's not going to be any effort to go beat uh, freedom in Europe. I mean, everyone here is ready to hit the ejector button. And they couldn't care less about what happens in the United States. Everybody I know is looking to get out, get that second passport, that third passport. Uh, You know, and because the the America sold forward 100 years of its economic activity by financializing itself in the 80s going forward. And by that's why Tesla is worth 600 billion dollars. And that's why, uh, you know, Apple's worth two trillion dollars, because they compressed 100 years of economic activity in the form of cheap money to make these guys kleptocrats. Okay, fine but the underlying 250 million people who are not participating, they're not happy and they're not gonna go to bat for the United States when called upon. And there's no crisis, there's no Pearl Harbor that's gonna motivate these folks. And the the dollar is at severe risk of a hyperinflationary collapse. And Bitcoin is unconfiscatable, unlike the gold in the 1930s that was confiscated. Mm -hmm. Bitcoin is unconfiscatable. So, I mean, we're saying kind of the same thing, I mean, for the most part. I mean, I just, I guess what I'm saying is that I just don't have a lot of faith that there's going to be this public and and proactive, you know, Max goes to Washington to teach senators how to, you know, open a swan wallet. No, I'm not going to, I don't give a fuck about the senators. They blew it. They can burn in hell. Hey, Max, uh, we've
0: got a, uh, so Corey put out a tweet earlier today that I think really ties us all together. I'm going to put it up on the screen uh, and let Corey read it to us, and, uh, and then I think we'll be able to discuss we'll pull it. Up,
2: yeah, bring it big. So yeah, this was Ryan Selkis, who obviously has, uh, you know, talking his book a little bit. He runs Masari, which has a bunch of charts that don't matter because um, they compare Bitcoin to things that are not in its competitive set, like altcoins instead of to gold stocks, bonds, etc. Um, but he said, I never want to see Bitcoin at a million dollars because it will mean the U.S. has become a failed state. And I'd like to see us resurge instead and, uh, you know, go up to what I said. I quote tweeted it. It's just patently false. Like Bitcoin is the right. perfect you know, money for the United uh, States. You know, if,
5: if my sister had a dick, she'd be my brother. Right. I mean, it's like there's the Bitcoin is going to a million and the the U.S. is going out of business. And, I mean, I hate to see it myself, but it's the fact, Jack. And we as individuals and our individual sovereignty need to get with the program here because um, they're coming, you know, for you uh, and your property uh, in the name of uh, whatever they're going to label the American version of communism. They'll call it something else like Mick. Mick Wonderfulness, the Mick Wonderfulness program out of Washington brought to you by AOC. And your tax rates are now back to Jimmy Carter era rates. You know, capital gains tax is going to be ordinary income tax. Right. You know, 60. How do you want to pay 60, 65 percent tax? (laughs) That's a lot of fun, isn't it? Uh, And and everything. And and you get nothing for it. You get no health care. You get no education. You get no infrastructure. But you pay 70 percent. That's not something I'm happy to be participating in, I can assure you. And neither, neither, I'm not going to do a John McAfee and end up in a jail somewhere in Spain, but you know, I'm not going to stick around here and get my pocket picked either.
0: How about you, Tina? Are you sticking around if we got 70% taxes? Oh, may have lost
3: Tina. Tina? No. That's a no.
1: He already left. He already
3: left. Just, already out. That's a suggestion of it. He's gone.
1: I uh I talked to Tina uh about this exact topic. I can't remember if it was last weekend or the week before or the weekend before. And uh, you know, I'm not gonna put words in his mouth and he won't in mine, but uh, you know, Max is Max is right that uh capital goes where it's treated best, and um, you know, the creative talent. I'm halfway through, by the way, but I'm, I'm halfway through um, Atlas Shrugged. Never read it before until now. And uh, if they push this too far, it's going to be galt's gulch, right? The, uh, the talent, the talent leaves, the talent goes to uh, where it's, uh, where it's treated best.
5: Yeah, uh, that's true. I mean, uh, in America, it was a magnet for talent for many years and it's a, uh, it's it's uh, it has, in my view, not remained true to the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and a lot of other documents that we came up with back in the day. You know, we have strayed from from that. And in, in the subject of money should be paramount. Right. The money, uh, you know, the U.S. defaulted on its obligations to Great Britain in 1971. And they did not pay them the hundreds of billions of dollars worth of gold that were owed to them. And they defaulted. Nixon closed the gold window. The U.S. defaulted on its government debt. So the U.S. effectively went bankrupt in August of 1971. And they introduced the fiat standard for the the globe. And that fiat standard in America, as Paul Krugman of the New York Times uh, has pointed out, it's based on the U.S. dollar. And the U.S. dollar is backed by, quote, men with guns. So they're already telling you that it's not our, it's not your money. If we can come to your house and put a gun to your head and take it, it's our money. That's the New York Times, the paper of record, violently threatening us right there in black and white after this fiat ex- money experiment has now failed. And, and Michael Saylor has pulled the pin on this hand grenade. He, he is the uh, Robespierre, Maximilian Robespierre of this revolution. He pulled the pin on the US dollar it, it, Michael Saylor is the guy who's going to be remembered as the guy who fucked the U.S. dollar bad. He's that that he's going to do to the Federal Reserve Bank what George Soros did to the Bank of England. That's his place in history. I'm making that call right now.
1: I hope he's a nicer guy than Robespierre. I uh, I, I have to remember back to my grade school history, but uh, I I heard Robespierre was. Uh, was a violent, uh, violent guy. He was not a peaceful, peaceful revolution, uh, type of guy.
5: No, the French revolution is very, you know, I lived in France for many years. I've studied the French revolution and all, all the personalities involved in the revolution and they all killed each other in the end. And you see that in the Bitcoin space and everyone's constantly trying to kill each other. That's one, the beautiful thing about Satoshi being anonymous is that unlike Maximilian Robespierre, um, he won't be murdered in the end by his fellow revolutionaries. And all revolutions go down the same path. They all end up killing each other. But we have the advantage of having uh, an anonymous uh, creator. Uh, so that won't happen. And um, But he, there, there was remarkably violent. They had the reign of terror. There were uh, close to 40,000 aristocrats were murdered in Paris. Uh, 3,000 in the Place de Concorde, right in the center of Paris, were beheaded with the brand new invention of the day, that was, was an industrial new way to kill people, and that was the guillotine. <clears throat> so the guillotine was invented for the reign of terror and the French Revolution. They beheaded over 3,000 people in the center of Paris. And um, that was the, what was thought to be needed to expunge the society of the rot of the people that we would now in our society. We've got, like MSNBC, NBC, CBS, the New York Times. That's the rot. Of our society that's infecting the culture and the people. Now, if this were 17th, uh, 17, you know, 18th century, they would have a very crude response uh, using the guillotine. But because this is now the 21st century, we have Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the guillotine. It's the global razor to take care of the ne'er do wells and money sucking cantillionaires that have g- destroyed everything. Uh, so, but we have a vector out. And again, Michael Saylor is like.
3: Thank you very much. On the point that you said that we have a vector out, um, I find that really interesting because you actually look at, there's been a lot of countries that have tried desperately to, I mean, that's what all the, um, the pipelines, you know, across Afghanistan were about. That's what uh, 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 Egypt and uh, I think it was Libya uh, trying to like create a new uh, gold standard like there's been lots of people trying to get out from under the thumb of the dollar for a very very long time um, and I feel like this has only accelerated in the last 10 to 15 years particularly after the 2008 crash um, and what's funny is that I feel like the dollar has actually been heavily propped up by the fact that there has been nothing to take the pressure that there has been no escape valve. There's no. There's not been a little exit door anywhere from the system. Even with, we tried. They tried gold. They tried to use their own currencies, So like uh, making agreements with Russia in rubles. Um, like like they tried so many different options, and they all got shut down because they were too easy to shut down. They were all still dependent on the dollar infrastructure to actually function and then obviously just send your guys in with guns and you know it ruins all the plans and bitcoin is finally a valve that they can't cut off it's it's one that they they have no control over the door whatsoever and finally it can actually flood out um it might be a situation where the dollar literally could not fail until something like bitcoin presented itself uh, and came along.
5: Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree with that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, look at, okay, so you have uh, the, the U.S. dollar was uh, roughly 75 to 80% of U.S. global trade. It's now just hovering under 60%. It's falling every year because all these bilateral deals that are happening between Russia, China, Iran, and um, all these, um, Iran, of course, uh, after they got censored out of the SWIFT system, um they started to get very interested in bitcoin and they've got four percent of the hash rate right now iran um and so that's not trivial uh and they are actively getting involved here and um china and and russia and iran have a mutual trade pact and a and a defense pact and it's a significant part of the and they're they're now um dropping the dollar so china's been selling u.s treasury bonds um, Russia has been cut their dollar exposure down by almost hundred percent. Um, so these are all the, 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 economies around the world that would love to get out of the dollar, right? They'd love to get out of the dollar. And now they, they've been buying a lot of gold. China and Russia have been hoarding hundreds and hundreds of tons of gold. Uh, and now they're getting into Bitcoin. Uh, and they realize that is the vector out. So we, 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 there, that's where this trap door, once it opens, it could be pretty dramatic because, um, you know, once, once the balance goes under 50% and then the word gets out that, Hey, the U S dollar is actually not, not the world reserve currency anymore. It's not even 50% of world trade anymore. Then it, you know, it triggers a response and people are like, well, we need to protect ourselves. And then, you know, these collapses happen, they, they happen suddenly. And I think that, that's that's what we people have to prepare for, is that, you know, suddenly you could have a pretty major collapse in the U.S. dollar. And all the everything, everything I see points to that.
0: It's it's kind of scary. I mean, I'm to kind of bring it back to like a, adoption a little bit. I, I'm still trying to convince my parents, you know, they're almost there. And every time I stack, I, I say to myself that, I, that I'm stacking for them also because I'm you know, I'm legitimately worried. Um I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But every time for the folks at home, if you're new to Max Kaiser, his rants are epic. But when he speaks in a very normal, quiet, serious voice, that's when you need to worry. (laughs) And that's when you really need to listen. Um, And we've had a lot of that today. So
5: (laughs) buy Bitcoin. Well, I mean, I think that it's because this, this Michael Saylor news is pretty epic news because you know, the, the, the game in corporate America for a long, long time is to buy, borrow money and buy back your own stock and to get your stock options, boost them up and to make tons of money that way. And you're basically working with the Fed. So you're on the same side as the Fed. The Fed's saying, we're going to print all this money and we're going to make it easy for you to do this stock buyback, which, by the way, stock buybacks used to be were illegal up until the Reagan years for obvious reasons. It's obvious stock manipulation. But Reagan deregulated, and uh, they brought him back. But what what Michael Saylor has done is he's really the first guy in corporate America to to look at a stock buyback and say, well, yeah, I could increase my net worth by x. But I think that stock buybacks and money printing is is illusory because we're going to enter now a period where you can no longer mask the inflation through tricks and accounting fraud and everything else. It's gonna to start to show up for real. People are gonna notice that that things are starting to, go, to start to go up prices in a very meaningful way. And so he made a bet on inflation by buying Bitcoin, the fastest horse in the race. He looked at gold too. He just said, okay, I, I get it, but this is much better. So that the whole mentality of what's been guiding corporate America for 20 years is flipping. So when that flips, and the, all of corporate America understands that they have that melting ice cube on their balance sheet. Then they're going to follow suit, and they're going to. I think what could be gold-saving grace is that Bitcoin may be difficult to source because if you've got you already have the demand is three four thousand coins a day, and the mining output's like nine hundred a day. So you already have, and the exchanges are reporting that inventory is disappearing. So we may come to a point where the the guys like Sailor are interacting directly with miners and pulling it right off the miners and the, that those coins are not really coming on the market, and there's a liquidity crisis and then boom 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 boom, boom, how do you solve that? You solve that through price discovery so we could go from literally twenty thousand to two hundred thousand in one click in one trade because there's that that's the only that's it's only at 200,000 that the market makers are finding any supply in the market. It could be completely dry from here to 200,000. That, so at that point, people who are drastically trying to prevent the effects of inflation on their cash will could go to gold because gold is the most liquid commodity in the world. It's the second most traded commodity in the world, second only to oil. So it's a huge market, multi-trillion dollar market. So I think if If the liquidity of Bitcoin drives up completely and people start panicking about the fact that their dollar is collapsing, then you could see a move into gold because there's simply not enough Bitcoin around at these levels. It's it's just gaps, just gaps way, way up. Uh, And I think that's when people are going to freak out because everybody who's been talking about this for years suddenly is going to be sitting on a freaking Fabergé egg wealth you know and everybody who's been poo-pooing it is going to be holding a fistful of dollars that are now worthless it's going to be a really fascinating day in the history of finance
4: i've expected that to happen with it gapping up but i don't think people will reach for something inferior like gold i think they will grab more for bitcoin because bitcoin will be measured in the hundreds of trillions of dollars and so um I wouldn't want to grab for gold when I can own Bitcoin, and I'd rather pay. I, I, I think we're going to see very high numbers uh, this decade. I think you'll be at <clears throat> three to $5 million Bitcoin by 2028 to 2032, and those numbers could be low. And I think the numbers are going to be shockingly high, and I, I, would, not, I would not grab for gold. I, I sold all my gold. I actually had owned gold. I bought gold because I realized in two thousand eight nine that the banks could actually close and go out of business, and I said, "Holy cow, this could really happen!" And then I bought gold, and I didn't know about Bitcoin yet. And uh, I sold all my gold in twenty seventeen when I said, "There's no reason to own this," and I'm not a fan of gold, and I don't like gold, and I, I actually have a very radical view on gold. What was that? Yeah. Right? Or <laughs> years. We let, You might have cut out for a sec there, Tina. I, I said I think gold will lose all of its monetary value in less than 15 years because I think gold holders will look at Bitcoin and they'll look at gold much like that meme when the guy's looking at the other girl instead of his girlfriend, and then uh, miners will still have to sell, and gold holders will say, gee, I own enough of this. I don't need to buy more. And I think you know, people forget that price in economics is priced, everything's priced on the margin. And I think you'll lose the marginal buyer. And I think, <clears throat> I think the price will drop quite substantially, quite rapidly, uh, i.e. a couple of years, gradually, then suddenly. And mm. I think that people will not want to own that. I think, I, I think gold has already been displaced. It's just a matter of gold holders having figured that out. And I think a lot of them happen to get that. They all tell me the same thing. And and it all comes down to, because I argue with people a lot about this, that they give me the answer of Lindy. Oh, it's been around for 5,000 years. Therefore, it will be. And and I'm not saying gold will disappear. Just the price of it will collapse substantially. And they also say that um, either the Fed will bail us out or one guy says that uh, the Saudis will bail us out because they will only sell oil for some amount of barrels of oil per ounce of gold. And I don't think there's gonna be a magic answer. And I think that nobody's gonna to wanna to say, I'm going to give up my value for, uh, for buying this thing, which is inferior, which nobody wants. It's very hard to argue with markets, especially big global markets. Usually when you argue with big global markets, you get poor. So I don't think that's gonna work very well. And I don't think people are gonna want it. And I don't think it'll matter that there's no liquidity, Years ago, I'm about Max's age. I used to go to Studio 54, and Studio 54 had a big line of people outside waiting behind their red velvet ropes, and nobody wanted to go to that crappy disco down the block where nobody was. Everybody wanted to go to Studio 54, and that's just how people are. So gold may be, you know, have nobody waiting by the red velvet ropes, but they're not going to be clamoring to get into gold. They're going to wait outside at Studio 54, even if it's 40 people deep that's
3: what people do well you know the trade-off of not like becomes greater and greater like in comparison to the dollar like every time i try to be like really reserved about how bullish i am um and i try to temper myself um it's like i look at like when i have to remember which phase we are in bitcoin like different environments and different amounts of capital being moved Uh, will have different effects like we're getting into the stage where Bitcoin becomes big enough that we can begin to see it in other things. That when Bitcoin starts to consume a lot of value, it's explicitly because something else noticeably moved down in value. Um, And when we're talking about two trillion, three trillion dollar market caps, and uh, at the same time, when you look at the horrible situation that the entire fiat world is in um, the dollar obviously most specifically, that that problem gets increasingly worse without doing anything just because you've got a three trillion four trillion dollar asset that's sucking value out of it. Um, and it will get to a point where like 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 you said, Max, like if it like, it just gaps up this huge amount is that people literally aren't selling because not because they're like, Oh, you know, I doubled my money in Bitcoin and now I need to sell out to, you know, make use of something or like I need to cash out and put it back in dollars. They will literally simply be afraid of the dollar. They'll be afraid to have any money there for any extended amount of time. And there won't be anything to sell Bitcoin for. They won't know what to do. And I think we're really getting into the phase where people start to realize that the dollar is just a scary place to be keeping value. And they won't think of it as, oh, I doubled my money in dollars uh, when they're holding Bitcoin. They'll think, thank God, I didn't lose half of my value by keeping it in dollars.
5: Right. Well, you know, the the Genesis block makes reference to uh, Chancellor on Brink of Second Bailout, right? So that... It's, it's baked into the cake you know some people believe that that was an overtly political statement. some people just say it was a way to kind of timestamp time stamp the, uh, the the block and you know it didn't have a huge political Im- importance. but there it is nevertheless and um, it, it, it I think that resonates throughout the whole history and where we are today because since okay. since the Genesis block the the money printing has gone burr right That money printer gone burr has become a meme. That everybody understands like the question earlier how do i convince somebody to buy bitcoin you know i think a lot of people are convinced when they see that meme because they say wait a minute you mean they just they can just print trillions and trillions like that and there's there's no you know is that that's got to be bad you know i think on a fundamental level they understand that all that printing is bad and the numbers are just astronomical the the actual number of trillions that are coming out in the next program's are going to be even more astronomical. I mean, it's just breathtaking. It's really like Weimar Germany. You know, in Weimar Germany, the uh, the German uh, currency was at a one-for-one exchange rate for gold. And by the end of that episode, it was a trillion to one. That would give you an idea of how far that currency was debased. And um, the U.S. dollar is... Um, it's just hard to believe that it could go the way the, uh, of that kind of debasement because it doesn't seem... you know, but,
0: um, it's like a frog in water, you know, like it's boiling, boiling. And then suddenly you're there. And when you're in the system, you don't notice, I feel like sometimes I'll put, I'll put, I put on mainstream news just so I know what the, the enemy is thinking. Right. And it's almost like when you watch a dystopian movie, you I sometimes wonder like what's playing on the news in this dystopian future. And then I look at the news that we're watching and I'm just like, that's what, what's on the news. Um, it's, I don't know. We we could be a lot closer than, than we think, as you're saying.
5: Well, well if, if, bit, if you're nostalgic you about America, then having, you know, America should collapse and we can rebuild it stronger, right? America's dead. Long live America. All the ideas are still there. You know, America's based on an idea, it's not based on mm-hmm. titles, it's based on an idea. And those ideas are still good, even if the country collapses. So, yeah, I mean, in order to get to the place where we need to rebuild it, I think we got to let it collapse first. I don't think there's going to be, you can transition at this moment. It's too late, too late in the game. You can't right the steering and get it going in the right direction. I think we're past that. So we just got to let it collapse. So, I mean, we're going to have the problem of being on the other side of this where it's, you know, we're the, part of the people that have the only hard currency left in America. And so we have a... Do we have the? Are we going to fulfill our responsibility to help rebuild from the scrap heap? Um, you know, that's another question: uh, whether whether we have a moral responsibility or not. Um, but, but that's obviously not for today. But uh, I don't think there's going to be any avoiding this utter utter collapse of the economy and a need to completely rebuild from scratch. And it's going to be a lot harder because these other countries are going to be not as forgiving as they have been for, you know, uh, for America is kind of like the special needs child for 20 years. Uh, they're going to be <laughs> like, no, we're going to eat your lunch really rapaciously and attack you, your economy, you know, hard, and you're going to have to, you know, deal with that. Uh, okay. Well, um, the time, time's coming, but, um, I, I was born in 1960 and I guess, uh, that we have another, baby boomer. So we, we had the best years in, in the possible in America. It was the absolute greatest. You know, I started on Wall Street in 1982. I've been riding interest rates, peaked at 20%, now they're down at zero. So I've literally been surfing that bond wave for 40 years. <laughs> I, haven't had, I haven't had to work a day in my life. It's just been surfing the, surfing the financial markets for 40 years. The most epic rally in, of bonds ever interest rates haven't been this low in america in 240 years they haven't been this low in britain in over 300 years right so that's where we were born into that but that can't last forever right so once interest rates go back to you know man it's going to be rotten but bitcoin is the vector out that's that's what i'll say
1: I saw a comment in the chat talking about Wyoming being the, you know, being the safe citadel. I have to say, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't, you know, thought about uh, what, what moving to Wyoming would uh, would look like. With regard to gold v. Bitcoin, I'm going to get some. I always get some hate from the Bitcoiners. I still think we're in one of these cycles where gold's going to do fine. Tina's right uh, in the long term. You know, Max is right in the long term. You know, Bitcoin wins. Um, but remember the portfolio remember the lowly the lowly wealth managers like me who are who still okay 80 to 90% of us still have zero gold allocation you know zero hard money allocation because gold hasn't really worked hard money hasn't worked as an investment in you know four decades and so when it becomes apparent that there's inflation then the panic moment you know it's sort of starting right now but the panic moment is okay I got to own hard money okay what do I own uh, well, gold's there. OK, I'll buy some of that. Bitcoin's there. I'll buy some of that. Am I going to buy more Bitcoin than gold just in terms of, you know, dollars allocated? Not yet. Um, maybe in the next cycle, right? Maybe after the next halving, unless it truly is, you know, hyper Bitcoinization in this cycle. And we can't dismiss that possibility. Um, you know, I see it as, as uh, somewhat low probability in this having or in this epoch, I should say, but nothing's impossible. Um, we'll see, we'll see lots of, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be wild times, uh, in the months going forward. Um, I got a drop guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for, uh, for the chat and, uh, you know, good Bitcoining to all of you. I'll, I'll see you soon. Andy, before <laughs> you go, what's
0: that, uh, what's that book behind
1: you? <laughs> uh, you know it. <laughs> I don't have to say it.
4: Everybody go to Amazon
0: buy why buy bitcoin send it to your boomer relatives they'll enjoy
3: it do you Thanks, know uh do you have a timeline on the uh audio book yet
1: well i finished recording it uh i finished recording it i'm sure there'll be edits you know i have to redo recut some stuff no doubt um you know i'm hoping that it's done in i'm hoping it's done in weeks i think in practice everything takes longer okay. than you think it will <laughs> it'll probably take months but uh at least you know at least i've got the hard part done
3: <laughs>
1: yep Thanks for asking. <laughs> Signing off, gents. Thank See you, you. Andy. Yeah. Thanks, care, man.
5: guys. All righty.
0: So, holy moly, we are coming up on on two hours of talking about Bitcoin, which really isn't that much. We could go all day, um, and this is about the time where I say we're almost done, and Corey usually says no, let's keep going. So, Corey, are we are we going to keep going? Or are we going to play the bullish Michael Saylor video
2: and call uh, it call it call it a, call it a day? I, I, I think that we've I think that we've covered enough and we should let people get on about their evenings and, uh, you know, go and set their laddered buys if they are experienced traders and otherwise just uh, increase their swan plans a little bit. And, uh, you know, all, all sats under 100K are cheap. Uh, I shield guys link in the chat. I shield Max's link in the chat. You guys are handled. <laughs>
3: nice. We've
2: been but, uh, even, this is link link a lot. Hold on. I, I need to do
0: guys some justice here swanbitcoin.com slash guy. Check it out.
2: Check it out. But uh, I did want to encourage people (laughs) to, uh, we are adding one-time buys. So we've been doing that for the last few weeks uh, via wire. So that's been great to be able to handle larger buys. We've had a bunch of buys come in for hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. It's been pretty cool to see that flow in. Um, Then we also have uh, funding through normal bank transfer that's coming up. So sign up there, swanbitcoin.com slash buy now. Uh, I think we're going to let the first people from the, the beta sign up in uh, probably Thursday this week and, and do some testing over the weekend and then hopefully live to everybody within you know 10 days or something like that. So I think that'll be really nice. You know, the, uh, the retail app for, for Coinbase and even for Cash App, you know, we're undercutting both of those by like 50 to 80 uh, percent for smash buys. So that should be a, a nice welcome addition to the scene uh, for Bitcoiners that, uh, that, that know about us and want to spread the word. Um, but yeah, why don't, why don't we just, uh, let Max and Tina each get in final thoughts and then, yeah, let's do the outro. <laughs> so I don't know which one of those dueling geniuses of the rant want to chime in, but, uh, whoever wants to go and drop a mic, go for it.
5: Uh, well, I'm like, uh, you know, feel like we had a good conversation here. With, um, you guys, at swan, another great show. And um, Swan has really been a great uh, go-to site. You know, I, I'm now totally addicted to it. You know, I'm like doing my daily uh, buys and whatnot. And um, it's a lot of fun. You know, that's, that's, that's my rant. That's how I'm closing out my rant. Um, <laughs> and as Stacy likes to say, even if you have one Satoshi, you have as much influence on Bitcoin as Michael Saylor with 40,000 Bitcoin. You know, that's the way the network is, uh, you know, it's um, because nobody ultimately has ultimate influence. It's just being part of the network. And once you're part of the network, you are, you're, you, you're, you know, we, we we're part of that higher consciousness. So you could be as little as a to- as one Satoshi. not as ranty as i thought <laughs> <laughs> no you know i mix that's it up you know i'm like a good i'm like a good uh, major league pitcher you know so i got a knuckleball i got the curveball i got the fastball you know i got different i got different pitches you know i'm uh, I like to just like to, i'm off for the strikeout that's my i'm all about the strikeout
0: the re- the ranting is reserved for those uh, for those who deserve it, you know. When when the when the when the situation is right.
5: Well, you gotta if you want to get somebody off the plate, you know, you're ranting at them, and they take a little, they're off the plate, and then you hit them with the inside, you know, pitch, and you know, it's you gotta work the batter one way or another, you know. Ultimately, it's the strikeouts that count. That's you, the big strikeouts build up. That's how you win games.
4: <laughs> Tina, are you still with us? I sure am. Uh, Max and I actually agree. 99 plus percent. I I didn't disagree with anything he said, I just took a different take on it. Um, if I had a big ask in Bitcoin, my big ask would be that the average guy would buy five or ten dollars every week or every month and just put a little bit of money into Bitcoin and start saving. Swan is actually great and perfect for that. Um, there aren't a lot of other ways to do that. It's so meaningful for the average person to get just a little bit. And what's sad is that they really, for the most part, the average person really won't do that because they won't buy until Bitcoin is half a million to a million dollars, which is gonna be in about five, six years um, because they won't believe it. Most people won't buy investments back to the 90s. Uh, the 80s was a pretty big stock market. Then, of course, you had the crash. You recovered from the crash. And 95 and 96 was actually huge years. People underestimate how big those years were. Stock market was up 70, 70% the S&P, I think, in 95 and 96 was really a lot. Um, and practically no correction. I think you had a correction in like June of 96. Everybody thought, oh, my God, this is the end. And it wasn't the end. You had a pretty long bull run. You had an interruption in 97. You had a little interruption in 98 with long-term capital management, which was pretty ugly, good short-selling opportunity. And then you went into 99 and 2000 with Y2K, and stocks did phenomenally well. Bitcoin's going to be bigger than that. And that was really big. That was really, really big. And I don't know how to convince people. I wish I could. I wish I could convince the person. I've been telling a friend of mine. I mentioned this earlier. I've been telling him for a few years. Buy some Bitcoin. Oh, I don't have time. I don't know how to do it. It's too hard. Um, and usually, eh, he doesn't really believe it. I told another guy. I've been telling him for three years. Oh, it's going to go lower. He was right. Went from six to three thousand. I spent most of that time that four months drinking Angels and the bourbon. <laughs> really hard, hard four months for me. Uh, was sitting with some pretty substantial losses and it was ugly, um, 19,000 is a whole lot better than 3,000. People don't really believe you. They don't understand it. They don't know what this asset is. They think we're out of our goddamn minds. Um, I'm not. I'm really fucking smart, actually. <laughs> I made a lot of stupid mistakes in my life and I've learned from it, but I'm actually really fucking smart. Um, I missed a lot of the 90s. I had one great trade. My best trade was trading on the Y2K move. The annualized rate of growth of the Fed balance sheet was huge. And I made 60% in about seven or eight weeks by getting super long and then selling everything January 2nd because I knew it was going to crash. And I was right. It went up a lot and it crashed in February into March. And that was pretty ugly. And most people don't know that actually the Federal Reserve caused the stock market, caused the NASDAQ the queues to double from around October into about the peak in February and then caused it to crash 40% when they yanked all liquidity out of the market in around that time earlier in the year. They're not going to yank it out because if they yank it out, we're going to have a depression worse than 31 and 32. Nobody wants to live through that. So Janet Yellen was named Treasury Secretary, which means that there are no rules, whatever it takes. They're going to do insane things. That's what they're going to do. Um, you have to be in assets. Stocks can't really trade at 150 and 200 PEs. They're companies. They have revenues. They have expenses. Bitcoin is a global store of value. It's the single best store of value in the world. The reason people leech value into other things is because our money sucks. So it leaches into real estate. It leaches into stocks. It leeches into, uh, antiques, not antiques, I'm sorry, art. Um, people buy expensive art. I was talking to a friend of mine, he's an artist. Why do people spend $300 on, on, takes $300 million on paintings. So to carry the value into the future, they don't love the art for $300 million worth. They're carrying this art for 20 and 50 and a hundred years in the future for, their family um, way down the line, that's why they do it, diversifies them. Bitcoin is unique. It's, I like to tell people this, nobody starts the year and says, this year I'm not interested in making money. Money never goes out of style, money never goes out of fashion. It's always in fashion, it's always in style and people always want money. And the beauty of money is, money is fundamentally the riskless asset. And it is the only thing which there is a universal preference for. Nothing else has a universal preference. Stocks, you have to want to buy stocks. You have to like companies and the specifics of stocks or the specifics of real estate or the specifics of gold or the specifics of, uh, of art to the major classes for a store value or bonds. Money is the universal preference. And because of that, it becomes the best store of value. Bitcoin is the best money ever created by humans. And people don't understand this. And I wish that I could get people to buy a little bit. They don't understand what even a little bit's going to be worth in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And I wish I could get them to do it. Michael Saylor, I love Michael Saylor. He's great. I'm glad that he's doing what he's doing But I'd be so much happier if I could get 10 million, 20 million average Americans to buy $100 in a year and hold on to it than Michael Saylor owning one single Satoshi. Because that will mean so much more for all those people in America. And it's great for Michael. I I, I think it's great. I'm not denigrating Michael in any way, shape or form. But that's what this country desperately needs. That's what people desperately need. And they're not going to do it because they don't understand it. And they think we're crazy. It's going to be what it's going to be, and most of those people will come in at five hundred thousand, and a million, two million, and five million dollar Bitcoin, ten million dollar Bitcoin, which will be okay because it's still something where you have to do one of two things to get Bitcoin: you have to either invest and, and and make good business decisions to earn Bitcoin, or through your own the dint of your own labor, and that's the primary way you can get Bitcoin which is unlike the fiat world that we live in. And so there'll be no kings of Bitcoin because if they just try to hoard their Bitcoin, they will ultimately, s- they'll spend it and it will go away and it will dissipate. But-
5: Yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, people have to work for their Bitcoin and it's uh, the value, the, there's a value proposition there. And that's a much different world and it's a much better world, I think. I mean, it's a really good point.
4: So that's my rant and- I would like the average person to get themselves just a little bit. $10 a month. Just a little
0: bit. Before we go, uh, we have one more special guest who's going to join us. It's not Michael Saylor, but we got him. I can't believe he's joining us. He's a friend of yours, right, Max? Oh, there's
5: Jamie now, yeah. This is uh, the shot that he took down at the police station just recently, his mug shot. Uh, they finally brought him down there and uh, they're going to charge him for all the financial crimes he's been committing. And he's finally going to join in with a cell with Harvey Weinstein and they're going to have a little uh, get together for the next 30 years. So we can say goodbye, Jamie. Bye. It was nice knowing you. Have fun in prison. <laughs> all right, buddy. You and all those other crooks. Oh, good.
3: Uh, you know, he's got money when his when his a uh, mugshot has great lighting. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
5: yeah, that's right.
0: You see, you yeah, see what right. I did there, folks. I tried to, uh, I tried to bring a rant out of Max, and he, 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 he knew what I was doing. you can't fool Max Geiser. All right.
5: Well, again, I mean, uh, I, I'm throwing, I'm, 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 up here on the mound, and uh, you know, you're, I, I see what you're doing over there. You know, I, I wasn't born yesterday. You know, I've been doing this a while, a long time. Been doing this, long time long time yeah no that's great stuff but um you know i'm also you know all the media space in the bitcoin space is so it's so great all these podcasts and because the um you know even doing kaiser report we've been doing kaiser report for 11 years and um you know when we started doing it the, we had to go into a studio we had three cameramen we had a sound guy we had an editor and for broadcast quality television now we can shoot it in the house on an iphone and it's still it's broadcast quality television and it's just amazing just just in a few short years we can put you know we can get on a jet go anywhere in the world with enough equipment to shoot a broadcast internationally seen television show right there and and that's incredible and so now this is happening all over the place so it's great to see all this great great content media stuff you know we get ideas all the time you know i'm not doing this just because i love Corey. i'm thinking how can i you know use this in my show damn it you know how can i use some of this cool stuff in the kaiser report
0: coming soon to the kaiser report coming soon to bitcoin tv ladies and gentlemen go after the show to bitcoin tv.network it's on our youtube I'm going to wrap things up by playing a uh, our Michael Saylor pump-up video and we will see you all next time. Thank you for joining us, Bye, some beer. On behalf of the SWAN team, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of SWAN Lounge, the SWAN Signal podcast. It's fun to join us live on the YouTube broadcast at youtube.com slash swansignal. Head over there, subscribe and turn on notifications. We have a lot of fun in the live chat and we often work in some questions from listeners. Swan Signal is a production of Swan Bitcoin at swanbitcoin.com, the best way to accumulate Bitcoin. Follow us on Twitter at swanbitcoin and subscribe to the podcast at swansignalpodcast.com.